0: Well, I have a very special message for you this morning. This is, um, this is March. This was the first Sunday in March. Last Sunday was the last day of, of February. And March, I, there's something about March that's, that, that I always look forward to. Because although March can be a very difficult month, we can get snow, we can get reminders that, that winter is slowly letting go of its grip. Somehow, in March, it's easier to handle than it is January 1st or December because we know that there's a change coming soon. There's a change of season coming soon, and what that change is going to bring is, is, is a newness, a freshness as we begin to see the flowers begin to come up and already begin to hear some of the birds begin to come back that I haven't seen since last fall. And, and it, so it's a time of, of renewal because it's a change of seasons, it's a change of seasons. And God addresses this. It's seasons are God's idea, and there's a reason for it. Ecclesiastes chapter three is the famous verse on it. Ecclesiastes chapter three: For everything, for everything, for everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So seasons are God's creation. And there are different purposes for different seasons. There's a purpose for there's a purpose for winter. Winter is a time of re- of re- refreshing of, of the of, of the, the trees and the and the and the plants, getting a time of, of rest and refreshing. And then there's spring, which is the the beginning of, of newness, of new life, which is why it's such an exciting time. There's summertime, which is a time of enjoyment, of all that, that winter helped bring about and spring helped bring about. And there's fall, which signals a change and a time of changing of seasons, and we move back into, into, into uh, winter again. So seasons are God's creation. So there's seasons for climates, just as we've talked about, there are seasons in our lives. We've just come back several weeks ago from being in Los Angeles, as you saw a video where we had a chance to meet our brand-new grandson, Luca. And he's now a little over two months old. He just got his second round of shots. He wasn't very happy, <laughs> and neither was his mother. But, but, but we, we've had the opportunity to see this freshness of life, the beginning of life, and that's a season. And then you watch, we're just watching our grandchildren that are here, looking at old pictures of them and begin to see them move into adolescence and then young adulthood, and you see those seasonal changes, which we're going to talk about later on. We often don't like them, but they're part of life. And then you move into your adult age and you're get your functioning, you have your own family, you move into middle age, which is a time of adjustment. And then you move into a season of life that Anita and I and many of you are in, where you're reflecting back on you're recognizing that there's less time forward than you've had before. And it's a time of changing what your purpose is, but there's still a purpose for that season. There's seasons for businesses. When I was a lawyer, I worked with the businesses, and you'd see them go through seasons. And, they, and, the, and the problem that we'd get into, because I would represent them when they got into trouble, was because they didn't know how to adjust to the change in the seasons. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is there seasons for churches. And I want to talk this morning to Faith Christian Center. Those of you that are watching online, I'm glad you're listening in. If you're a visitor, we're glad you're here this morning. But I'm talking to this church this morning about seasons and the seasons of this church. And this church has had seasons. This church was founded in 1979 by Pastor Sam and Donna Smith. I talked to Donna yesterday. She's doing very well. And, um, and, and, and he, he founded this church. God founded this church through him. And God had to choose a very special person to do that because the spiritual climate in New England in the 1980s was very different than it is right now especially a church that believed in the Word of God and taught the Word of faith. And there was much opposition, much opposition, and it took a special couple to do that. And we need to remember that everything we have had, everything we do have, and everything we ever will have is because we stand on the shoulders of that couple that was willing to sacrifice so much and to come here and literally lay their lives down in many ways to establish this church. And he established this church as a teaching center, because in the 1980s, that was very much the, the very much the focus that the Spirit of God had for the church because they'd come through a, a, a time of a charismatic renewal, which was a wonderful move of the Spirit of God, but there was very little teaching and grounding. in. so people weren't established in what do you do? How do you stay steady and constant when you're having all these emotional experiences? And he laid that foundation very, very well. And this church became a church of influence in the New England area. And then he retired in 1999, and Pastor David took over, and he continued the growth and, and, and the continued programs and expanded programs. And this church grew and expanded until we were running on a regular basis almost 1,000 people. While Pastor Sam appointed him to take over Pastor David, he asked me to be to come on as his associate pastor and to help him. And I came on staff. I left my law practice in 1999 and came on on board here and have served here ever since as we went through this time of, of growth under Pastor David. And then we changed a season. We went into a season in the, in the in nineteen in 2008 or so where we began to go through a series of crises. And at that point, I took over as senior pastor. And I have been senior pastor for these years, leading this church through these crises that we have Come for, and I've come to believe that that's really been the purpose that I've had. Because there's a different season that we've been through, and as we've gone through this season, obviously we've gone through uh, 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 of, of loss of people. People come and go anyway in a church. Um, so we're in it. we were in this in this season of going through a time of of of, of crises. But the crises are always opportunities to make adjustments. They're always opportunities to find out where you really are. By the way, start, smile. Everybody smile right now. <laughs> this is good news. Smile, relax, all right? Okay, not going to shoot anybody. This is good news. Just take a breath. Okay. But crises and challenges are, are opportunities to find out where you are, and sometimes in a church it's an opportunity to clean house because people come to church and as they do other things for all kinds of reasons. And I believe, and as we, we went through this pandemic, especially the beginning of it, it was a time of sorting out why people come to church. Because the people that really come because they want to grow, they're here. They're still here. And people that were losing for, looking for an excuse to stay home, they're home. And I don't mean those of you may be watching online. You're here as far as I'm concerned. But they're just kind of wandered off. So it, this season has been a time to reevaluate some things, to look at our roots. It's been a time to do some reorganization and, and reevaluation of, of why we're here and what is our purpose, because the purpose of churches can change as the seasons, as the seasons change. During this season, we have spent considerable time in prayer to clarify what is the mission. That, faith, that God has for Faith Christian Center. And we've identified three, as you'll see on the material that we've been handing out to you for a number of years now. And the, the first one is, is teaching. In Second uh, in Timothy chapter 4, we see, can you put that up there? This is Paul writing to Timothy as the church was going through a difficult time and the world was going through a difficult time. The churches were being persecuted. Timothy was a young man and Paul was writing, this was his last letter that he wrote that we have and he wrote this to Timothy to give him his final instructions and he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, verse 2, preach the word. So the church is always founded on the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. Be ready in season and out of season with the word convince, rebuke, exhort. Maybe I haven't done enough of that. (laughs) Exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. We'll leave it there. So the the first foundation of the mission here is teaching. The second is connecting. Connecting with one another is to develop a meaningful unity. we have heard us speak about this many times. A love of His body, and, and that Christ has called us all to. You've heard me say over and over again, you will continue to hear, that the, the one commandment that Jesus has given to His church is that we should love, not a suggestion, it's not a principle, it's a commandment that we should love one another, not just the way the world loves, but as I have loved you, which is he laid his life down. And if we'll just begin to obey that commandment, like they did at the wedding. (laughs) Well, at the end they did. If we'll continue to lay our life down for one another, it will solve virtually every problem that you have in your life, and that that you have in your family, and that the church has, because this is the commandment. Over and over again, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter talks about having fervent love for one another. And that doesn't mean just, hi, bless you, good to see you today. It means being willing to be involved in one another's lives, being meaningfully connected to one another. And the third is reaching, reaching outside the walls of the church to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave to the church. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and then the other account of it and make disciples. And that is the commission of the church. So our mission here is to teach, to to deposit the Word of God in us, to connect with one another in a meaningful way and to reach the world that is around us. And that's the adjustment that we've begun to make. In this time, that that, of in the season that we've been been in, and and I believe we've done a a fairly good job. We could do a better job of the teaching part of this. I'm a teacher. So whatever I do, I teach. Ask my wife. That's I've had to learn. You that doesn't work well at home. But even when I was a lawyer, I used to teach. Whatever I did, because that's who I am. Pastor Ray's a preacher. He can teach, but he's a preacher. So whatever he does, he preaches because that's who he is. So what I've done as well as what Pastor Sam did, and pa- I've taught you and you bring, bring brought people in to teach you. So although we've done a fairly good job, we can always do a better job of teaching, I really believe that we've not done that great a job of the other two, of connecting, it's getting better, but especially, especially of reaching of reaching out so for several years now i've sensed that there was a time for a new season that was coming First of all, it's just the simple reality as I begin to stop looking in the mirror but start looking at the calendar and realize as I look at my age, I'm in good health, I feel great, I still feel full of, full of passion, full of word, but the reality is I can't do this forever. I can't do this forever. I have realized this a number of years ago. I've got to begin to make plans for what's coming next. Smile, everybody. <laughs> And to be responsible as a pastor, I've got to begin to make plans and provisions for this. Secondly, it seemed to me that the church was beginning to stagnate. We'd come through the, the crisis, we dealt with those, but then it was just kind of sat there. And the church has been stagnating for a while. And I believe that's because we've continued to do the teaching part, but the real life come as we connect with one another and we begin to give outside of here what God has put in us. So I've sensed the church has begun to stagnate. I also knew that the accomplishment of the ultimate vision was not not in me. I can see the vision, but the ability and the grace to carry that out was not in me. My purpose, I believe with all my heart, has been to lead the church through these challenges and to prepare it for the next season. And the third thing I began to notice as I looked around me is the culture and our whole world has changed dramatically just in the 13 years I've been a senior pastor. It's changing dramatically every year. We're dealing with issues and situations and, and realities that are out there that we never thought of even 13 years ago or 14 years ago. And we've got, to reach it. we've got to reach a generation and generations that, that think in different terms and see things in different terms. I mean, 15 years ago, we would never think of doing things streaming online. The technology has changed everything, and, and even the pandemic, because we've got people that have not yet felt comfortable coming back, but we can't stop ministering to them. So we have to start thinking in different terms. We have to start... The message never changes, because the message is always the same, but the message always change, The method always changes. It's changed while many of you have been here. We don't have the white railings that we used to have. We don't have the blue carpet up here we used to have. One of the first things I did was to remove those things and make this changes. And Gary was so helpful, instrumental in doing that because we needed to change the look. We needed to be more functional because now we had concerts here, which Pastor Sam would never probably have wanted to have here because ministry was done a certain way under his season that he was here. So that requires different perspectives and different methods are needed to re- relate to the generation and the culture that's out there. So about seven years ago, I began to pray I say, Lord, if there's, if, we're going, if there's got to be a change, then obviously we need to know, I need to know... Uh, how to do this because I've never done this before, and to look for who God do you have plan to lead us in this next season, and I've shared all this with our board of elders and the board of directors from the beginning. They've worked very closely with me over these six or seven years, however long it's actually been, and I've sought the counsel. I've sought the counsel of other men of God that I trust and that I know. And I've continued to consult these men of God, and especially Pastor Smucker, who's going to be here in several weeks. He is, now, this church, I'm ordained, Pastor Ray is ordained through the Rama Ministerial Association International. And Pastor Smucker although, is, is our regional director and the regional director for this church. So I've worked very closely with him, and he's an ideal person because he's gone through this kind of transition uh, uh, just several years ago. And he founded a church, about the time this church was founded, and it has grown to over 4,200 people. So he has some experience. And so I was very help, it was very helpful to have his guidance and his prayers. And so there was a point where I'm just being as honest with you this morning of this process that I've gone through as I can be. At one point, I thought I had identified someone who had a call of God on his life, but after a while, it became clear that that's just not was going to work, and I'm not going to go into more details. But this, through this process, I continued to, to inform the elders, consult them, and consult with these men of God and obviously pray. My focus and the elders' focus through all of this is to discern who God has chosen. I never planned to be in this position. I never wanted to be in this position. When I ended up in this position, I had a very different vision for where God was taking us. I knew what Pastor Sam had put me here to do was over. He had put me here to help Pastor David, served Pastor David for 10 years, and I knew at that time this was over, and we had begun to come in here and to pray, all right, God, what is, what is the next season of our life? And I had a good friend, Beverly Rackley, who said to us one time, you're going to know it. And why well, was she right? Because what happened is we suddenly found ourselves in a crisis, and it became obvious that God had put us here to lead this church. It was never what I wanted, I never what I dreamed, I never wanted to be a pastor. But this is where God had placed me. So my point is, all along I've been, Look, God, who do you want? Because it's got to be somebody God chooses, because otherwise, two things will happen. They won't make it. And the second thing is, their ambition will be involved. And if, anybody, if your ambition is involved in anything with God, then that gives Satan an opening. So it has to be, someone got us... Chosen, and God is preparing to do this. So that was my goal. So how do you identify? How do you identify a shepherd of a church? Well, I'm going to tell you, first of all, how you don't do it. First of all, you don't do it based on... like the, In business, you promote people based on their, on their work and their positions. And, and, but in the church, you don't do it that way. It's based on God's call. So it's not based on your position. It's not based on seniority. It's not based on your personality, whether everybody likes you or not. And it's not based on personal relationships. First Samuel, let's look at that. 1 Samuel chapter. This is very instructive because this is how God used Samuel to choose the next king of Israel when... Um, I want to pull it up here. How God used uh, Samuel, the prophet, to choose the next king of Israel. What had happened is uh, Saul... Had, had disobeyed God and God had decided to remove him and the Lord said to Samuel how long will you mourn for Saul this was the prior king seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel fill your home with oil and go and I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethel, the guy from Bethlehem for I, provided for I have provided for myself a king among his sons God provides a pastor for his people and Samuel said how am I going to go if Saul hears about it he's going to kill me And the Lord says, tells him to go take a sacrifice, and and you shall anoint, this is down in verse 3, you shall anoint for me the one I named to you. Verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was that when they came, he looked to Elijah and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at the appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. This was the first son, the oldest son. Don't look at him, for I have refused him. The Lord does not see as man sees. For the Lord, the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So he goes down through the sons, the obvious choices. He, choo- he, said he he called Abinadab, and he made him pass before Samuel, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen him, this one. And Jesse made Shema another son, pass before him. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has, has not chosen these. There doesn't mean anything wrong with them, they were not the one the Lord chosen. And Samuel said to Jesse, is there not a young, Are there not young men here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. But who's going to consider him? There he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him here, for we will not sit down until he comes. And so he sent and brought him in. And he was ruddy with, bloody, with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for he is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil anointed him in the midst of his brothers, in the midst of others who probably thought they were qualified, in the midst of others. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. This was the young son. And from that day forward, and so Samuel rose and went to Ramah. The point here is God chooses who he wants for whatever reason he wants. So it's not based on our thinking, what we think is right. It's based on, and this has been the focus of what the elders and I have spent time in prayer and discussion together. It's the person God has chosen. And the call, this call will eventually become clear to those that are around and were sensitive. Eventually, I saw leadership and vision and passion begin to emerge in someone. I had several elders, elders who already had approached me because they began to recognize what I saw some of our staff began to recognize the same thing i've also had other pastors who have worked with this individual recognize the same call and while i was still considering that first individual i went down to spend some time with pastor smucker because i had been consulting with him and this was this god is so faithful So I arrived there the night before. He loves to have breakfast, so we went out to breakfast this morning, and I sit down with him, and I'm just being as transparent and honest as I can with you. He looked at me and says, John, I know why you're here. I hadn't said anything. I said, I just want to meet with you. He said, you're having doubt about that first person, aren't you? I said, yes. And then he said words to me that shocked me to the core. He said, have you ever considered your son I said, why do you say that? He said, this morning in the shower, I felt God speak to me. I said nothing to him. And yet, that's exactly the individual that I had seen God's hand begin to work in. So I came back, and he suggested that you, we just slow things down, talk to the elders, bring the elders into your sanctuary, spend some time on a Saturday morning with the elders and just pray, and we did that several years ago, began to pray. I told the elders that because I believed it was my son, our son, um, I had to have unanimous consent. Because when it's your own child, there are a number of complicating factors. The first of which, as a parent, you tend to see your child as somebody that can walk on water, or you remember their messy room when they were growing up, and you wonder, how could God ever do anything with them? So you have to remove, and this is true for all of you parents, you have to learn to remove your own perspective of them to let God show you how he sees them, just as Jesse never thought of his son David, because he was small, he was young, for whatever reason, but God saw what he had already deposited in that young man. So I told the elders, I need, I, need your, you, I need your unanimous consent. It was very critical that my personal feelings, one way or the other, not be part of this decision. And those that worked with him began to see that same call. I also met with um, a man of God who is... Uh, Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Mark Rutland uh, had pastored some large churches. He's also responsible for the turnaround of some major universities, including Oral Roberts University. And I, I, I I watched him make a connection with my son, and that was a sign to me, because God always puts somebody in their life that can give them counsel, godly counsel. And I would have looked for somewhere else, but God provided Dr. Rutland, a man of great wisdom known internationally, to make a personal connection with him and a personal investment. And he and Pastor Chris and I spent two and a half hours one one, one morning uh, on on Zoom talking about all of this. And he he put some very demanding questions to him as well as to me and continued to, to oversee this process with him and help him to grow in the things that he's needed to grow in. So I continued to, began to give more and more responsibility to him. And though you may not realize it, for the last two years, he has essentially been doing everything that I used to do as senior pastor, except for the pulpit ministry that you see here. The things we've begun to do, the changes we've begun to make in vision with the connect groups and with the outreach that you've seen over the last year. Are part of the vision that's in his heart, and I know it's in others' heart. We all we all are in agreement in this on staff, but to drive the passion for that, I've seen, I've seen in him, and that's critical. Now, I also began to see him having him preach, which you know, and had him begin to do announcements. I wanted to see his pulpit presence. I wanted to see whether what I felt he needed to be. Was present with him when he stood in the pulpit. And what I, what I needed to see, I saw. What I had to adjust to in, in is, is his style is very different than mine. We're used to a style Pastor Sam had, where he stood up there and pointed his finger at you and told you what you needed to do in no uncertain terms. He was very, but he was a teacher and he was a preacher. Pastor David was a teacher. And, and the other ministry gifts. Pastor Ryan is always a preacher. He teaches, and so does Pastor Michael. And I'm a teacher. And our, our presence is different. But but what I, I saw in him was 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 something that was more easily received. He's more relational in his ministry. He's more he's more conversational in his ministry. And I've had people come to me on occasion and ask, can can? can and I'm not gonna. I'm not, I didn't say yes. Can I ask questions during a service? And of course not. I'm the preacher. I'm the teacher. You need to listen to me. But we're coming to it. We're in a time when, when in order for God to, do, to reach us, reach especially these younger generations, they need something a little different than someone standing up here with the Bible just saying this is what you've got to do. The message will always be the same. But the method, and as I talked to Pastor Smucker the other day, he said that's the change he's seen with the gentleman that replaced him, the very same kind of personality. And so I've had to make some adjustments in what I would have thought, and yet trying to follow what God, what God is doing here. That's all I've tried to do. God, what, what are you doing here? I remember something that Pastor Scales, Lafayette Scales, told me when I took over. He called me one night and he said, John, I want you to know something. God has put in you the DNA that he wants for Faith Christian Center for this season. You're not Pastor Sam and you're not Pastor David. You're who God has made you and he's put you here because that's what he wants for this church for this season. God uses different styles to reach different people. And once the elders were unanimous, I needed to finalize this decision in my own heart. So I came in here and spent some time in this sanctuary, and I was struggling, and I just opened my heart before God, and I said, God, I don't, I don't know why I'm struggling. And the Lord, so faithful, He said, I want you to pull out your tablet and write down what your concerns are. And the moment I did that, everything became clear. The first concern I had was, and then you said, talk to me about it, it was, well, what if, I, what if I make a mistake? What if I make a mistake, and not only was it hurt the church, but it's our son. What if I make a mistake, and the Lord says, you've already made them before? You shouldn't be shocked about that. I've made, have you made mistakes before? You've already made them before, but because your heart was right towards me, I adjusted those mistakes before, at the right time. So the question is, if your heart's right, and it is, can you trust me to make an adjustment if you're not right? And then the Lord spoke something to me that caused me to freeze. He said, John, if you don't make this decision now, you will be in my way. That's all I needed to hear. God, I can't be in your way. So I met back with the elders, and we began to, meet, to plan, plan this out. So, what does that mean going forward? It means that in next year, I will retire as senior pastor, and Pastor Chris will be installed with the title, Lead Pastor. At that time, the authority and responsibility that I have and this role from God will be transferred to him. I am not leaving the church. Some of you may want me to, but I'm not leaving the church. I am leaving the role of senior pastor. Everything else that you know and are familiar with is going to be the same. Whereas I have done really all the pulpit ministry, unless I've been away somewhere... Pastor Chris's plan is to utilize the other ministry gifts that we have here as a team. You will have the benefit of the wonderful gifts that we have on staff. They will be a team of ministry under pa- Pastor Chris's lead. Pastor Ray and Pastor Michael are wonderful gifts that, that, that are in different shapes and forms. I don't mean physically, but different different styles. And, and this will give you the benefit of being able to receive more of the gifts that God has here, as well as there's some transition things that have to happen so that Pastor Chris can be filled up. Mark chapter 2, Jesus talked to disciples. I've got to move along quickly. Trying to explain people what the process of change requires. And he says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth to an old garment, else the new piece pulls away from the old. So if you put a, a new piece that hasn't been shrunk yet, on an old garment that has shrunk, when you wash it the next time, that new piece will shrink and pull away. Verse 22. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine bursts the wineskins, and the wine is spilled. Why? We have trouble understanding that today. Because they didn't carry wine in bottles and glasses, they would carry it in an animal skin. And new wine, I'm told once it's in the process of finishing the fermenting, will expand. And a new wineskin will expand along with the wine, so it will continue to hold it. But if you take an old wineskin that's already been stretched and you fill it with new wine, when that new wine begins to expand, the old wineskin can't expand anymore because it's not willing to change. So it will split, and the wine will fall on the ground. In the Bible, wine represents the Holy Spirit and His anointing and what He's doing. And the wineskin represents the structure that we have. And if, we don't be, or if we're not willing to change what holds the, wine, the new wine, it will, it, will, it will split and it will not accomplish what God's put it here to do. Without change, we will not grow into God wants us to grow. The the vision that Pastor Chris has, and he'll get a chance to share this with you in the future, is to develop the parts of our mission, the connecting and reaching. I see that vision, but I know, and God's spoken to me, the grace to accomplish that's not in me. Over the last two years, we've already begun to implement parts of this vision under his leadership. You'll hear more about that later on. Now, between now and when I retire, you're going to see Pastor Chris more in the pulpit, but you also see members of the other team, at least starting in the fall. His leadership and style and pulpit manner are different from mine, but I'm convinced that God has made him for what's needed now to be the lead. So how do we handle change? There's some just basic things to say about it, then I want to end with a scripture. First of all, we have to recognize that change is uncomfortable. I can feel the uncomfortableness in the room right now. And that's okay. That tells me you're awake and listening. And we don't like change, most of us. But we have to recognize that change is a vital part of life because if you don't change, you die. The only, the only bodies that are not changing right now are the dead bodies. Well, they are decaying. That's what happens when you don't change. Change is inevitable whether you like it or not. There's some of us wish we were still 15, 20 years old. You can wish it all you want, but I'm not 15, 20 years old anymore. Actually, I don't wish I were. It's a necessary part in order to grow. Otherwise, we'll stagnate and we'll die. And the last thing I want to share with you about change is in the process of change, do not compare. It's dangerous to compare. When I took over, I can't tell you the people that came up to me and would resist me, something I was saying, but that's not how Pastor Sam did it. And I say, understand that I'm not Pastor Sam. You need to recognize there's been a change. So do not compare. Just as Pastor Ray is not me, Pastor Michael's not me, Pastor Chris is not me. I want to close with this. John chapter fourteen. Jesus is preparing his disciples for a dramatic change, because he's about to leave them. He's been their safety, their guide, their wisdom. He's, he's saved them out of the world. And there's a... He's been telling there's a change coming, but now he's making it clear, because it's going to happen within the next few hours. And he's preparing them for this change, and we can learn a lot from what Jesus told his disciples. First thing he said, let not your heart be troubled. So don't be anxious. This is God's direction. God's doing it. Believe in God. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. So he's telling them, but just because this is changing, I'm painting for you a vision for what's coming because this is is changing. Verse 3. If I go and prepare a place to you, I will come again and receive you to Myself. For where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. You know how to get into this next season. You may not know you know it, but you know it because we've been laying the foundation for this for quite a while. What? You know uh, where, where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus gave them the answer that I preached for almost a year. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus got their focus on him. He was leading the change, and he got their focus on him and not what looked different. We don't have time to do it. He went on later on and he said, and it's to your advantage that I go. And I imagine they couldn't process that. It's to your advantage that we make this change. Because he said, if I don't do this, if I don't leave... The Father won't be able to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who has been with you, but now will be in you. In other words, this change is going to allow you to come to another spiritual level of intimacy with me and another spiritual level of power in God. It's going to bring you to another level, but you have to let go of me so that I can bring this to live in you what's been with you. So I'm gonna still be here. I'm gonna be kinda like a grandfather. In many ways that's kinda what I've been anyway. Grandfather grandparents are great. You get the love on the kids and when their diapers get messy, you send them back to the parents. When you get tired you send them back to the parents. Pastor Michael asked me, well, what are you going to do? You're going to continue to counsel? No, I'm going to continue to love people. And when they get messy diapers, I'm sending them to you. <laughs> and he's a grandfather. He understands that process. So I'm go- we'll be around. We'll travel a little bit. We'll be around. And there's a lot in me still to teach. And I'm praying about ways to do that. And there's some ideas that I have in mind. But I want it clear that when this happens next year, the lead role passes from me, whether I'm here or not, to Pastor Chris. And in many ways, I've let go of much of what I did here anyway. So God's already been working this process. All right. We're going to, in a moment, celebrate communion together. I wanted to do this because what communion does is communion does two things, essentially. It reminds us of our union together with Christ, that we're one with him. And just as he directed their attention to the Father and to Him, this directs our attention to the head of the church. And the second thing it does is it reminds us that we're also connected to each other the same way we're connected to Him. So it binds us together in this. But before I do this, I want to make this this I want to do this one thing. Is there anyone that is here this morning? and you've never given your life to Christ, you're not part of his family, you're not part of his kingdom, you may have been raised in church, you may have believed in Christ your whole life, but have you ever invited Christ into your life as your personal savior? If you're here this morning and you've never done that, or you're watching online this morning and you've never done that, I want to ask you to, to join me in this prayer, to mean this as best you can. You're not doing some ceremony, you're, making, you're inviting Christ into your life. So pray this with me. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, everything I ever thought. For whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life As my Savior, wash me in your blood and fill me with your Spirit that I may live strong for you for the rest of my days. And I take my life as it is right now, and I put it into your hands to be Lord. Thank you for loving me this much. Amen. If you prayed that here for the first time... Uh, Pastor Michael's wife, Maria, Sister Maria is over here. if you come and see her, she has some material she want to give to you, and, and pray with you. if you did this online, and you're watching online, there's a number at the bottom of your screen. If you call that number, tomorrow, that someone will answer the phone, and we will send you this same free material. and we encourage you to, to watch tomorrow. One last thing before we share the Lord's table together. I want to thank you this morning for your attention. I know this may not be what most of you came here expecting to hear, but what this does is it frees us up now to begin to do some other things to prepare for that. And above everything else, remember, God loves you with all his heart. He's not going to hurt you. I love you with all my heart. We'll not hurt you. We want what God wants is best for you, is best for this church, and you're going to be okay. But I want to thank you, as I always have, your attentiveness, your openness to listen, your love, has been just, it's just so wonderful. And I, I can feel that and sense that today. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to add, Anita, would you come up and join me as we share communion together? I'll be here next Sunday. <laughs> She's not too happy, but I'll be here next Sunday.